by my field that is an Anathoth, for the right of redemption by purchase is yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Like many of you, I have been watching the Ken Burns documentary on country music over the last couple of weeks on PBS. I must admit that before watching this documentary, the only way I could imagine finding hope, resurrection, or redemption in country music would be to play it backwards. <laughs> For then, your dog comes back to life, and your ex-wife brings back your pickup truck. But as we learn from every Ken Burns documentary, you know, I believe he could make hanging wallpaper look interesting. The real story is a lot more complex and nuanced than we ever imagined. Many of our popular songs really started out as country songs. One example is The Green Green Grass of Home. While it became a worldwide hit when it was sung by the Welsh pop star Tom Jones in the mid-60s, it was actually written by a country music songwriter named Curly Putnam, and it was originally made popular by Porter Wagoner, the fading country singer whose television show launched the career of Dolly Parton. The first part of the song goes like this. The old hometown looks the same as I step down from the train, and there to meet me is my mama and papa down the road, I look, and there runs Mary, hair of gold and lips like cherries. It's good to touch the green, green grass of home. Yes, they'll come to meet me, arms reaching, smiling sweetly. It's good to touch the green, green grass of home. The old house is still standing, though the pain is cracked and dry, and there's that old oak tree that I used to play on, down the lane I walk with sweet Mary, hair of gold and lips of cherries. It's good to touch the green, green grass of home. The song sounds like a man having a joyous time of reunion as he at long last returns to his childhood home. But listen to the second part of the song. Then I awake and look around me at four gray walls that surround me. And I realized, yes, I was only dreaming, for there's a guard and there's a sad old padre. Arm in arm, we'll walk at daybreak. Again, I touch the green, green grass of home. Yes, they'll all come to see me in the shade of that old oak tree as they lay beneath the green, green grass of home. So we learn the song is really the dream of a man in prison, not just in prison, but on death row. He will never again physically see the green, green grass of home. Instead, it will be his burial place. For this man, with seemingly no hope, finds redemption and resurrection in knowing that, at long last, he will be reunited with the green, green grass of home. If you read our Old Testament lesson carefully today, 
you will find that the prophet Jeremiah is also in prison. He too is writing in a time of seemingly no hope for him, nor for his people of Judah. The Babylonian army now surrounds the city of Jerusalem, just as he had prophesied. Jeremiah himself is arrested on a false charge by his own people of Judah. He is beaten, and he's now in jail. Things could not be bleaker for the nation of Judah, nor could they be bleaker for Jeremiah himself. So in the midst of all this doom, gloom, and utter despair, what does he do? He buys a field. And why does he buy this particular field? Because this field is in his home village of Anathoth. This field has been in his family for generations. As we would say in the south, it's the old family farm, and Jeremiah wants to get it back. The field is now in the hands of Jeremiah's cousin, Hanamel, who is probably down on his luck because the land is being torn up by war. The field may be about to be taken back by a creditor or may have to be sold outside the family. But according to Jewish law, if any one of your kin falls into difficulty and sells a piece of property, then the next of kin shall come and redeem what the relative has sold. This law was designed to keep property within the family. And the bond between Jeremiah's family and this particular field was a sacred one and was one not to be broken. But we could ask, what difference does any of that make now? The Babylonians are literally at the gate. In all likelihood, Babylonian troops are camping on this very field just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah himself, he's now an old man, he's beaten, and he's in jail. As he himself prophesied, the field is under and will be under Babylonian occupation for a long time, perhaps a hundred years or more. Under these dire circumstances, what does it matter who owns a worthless deed to a field that the family can no longer cultivate, no longer enjoy, a field that Jeremiah will probably never set eyes upon again? It matters because Jeremiah wants to make a tangible act that says in this time in which his people have forgotten the laws God commanded them to live by, Jeremiah is going to make a stand He's going to buy this family field to put into action the words of the great leader Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But this command to buy the field is not just from the law. God wants Jeremiah to buy this field. Not only to keep the farm within the family, but to show to God's people that even in this dark time of despair, God is still personally active in their history, our history. God still cares about us cares about our stories. And based on that, there is hope for the future. But it's not just the law, it's not just the personal voice of God that prompts Jeremiah to buy this field. You see, he knows a secret about the field. The field never really belonged to Jeremiah's family. And despite Jeremiah's symbolic act with the deeds, it still doesn't belong to him. And many years later, when the Babylonians finally no longer occupy the land, it will never really belong to his heirs. Because early on in scripture, God tells us, the land is mine. With me, 
you are but aliens and tenants. Jeremiah acknowledges this later in a prayer. Ah, Lord God, it is you who made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Jeremiah knows that he is just a tenant on God's land, just as we are all tenants on God's property. When the voice of the Lord works through Hanamel to say, buy my field, it's really God saying to Jeremiah and to all of us, buy my field, God's field. The act of buying God's field gives Jeremiah hope in a future in which God would once again entrust his family to be good stewards of that family farm, God's field. Jeremiah leaves no doubt as to where he is investing the money and the life that God has given him. He is investing it all in the only source of eternal hope. He is investing it all in the kingdom of God. In the ceremony of counting out his 17 shekels, receiving the deed to this land, and placing it in an earthenware jar to be buried in the ground for safekeeping, perhaps buried for a hundred years or more, Jeremiah teaches us that everyday life, the very stuff, subject, and essence of country music, our Monday through Saturday lives of working hard and living hard, are not separate from the sacred. They can be and are called to be just as sacred as what we do here each Sunday morning. The offering each time we come to this table is not only the bread and the wine, not even only the money we place in the offering plate. The offering is us, our whole lives, everything we are and everything we do. Because like Jeremiah's field, our lives don't belong to us. They belong to God. We're called to be good stewards of them as well. God desires us to step out in obedience and encourage and invest ourselves in being good stewards of God's fields, fields of mission, fields of sharing and caring, fields of hope, fields of even redemption. God's very personal word is tied directly to how we live, how we invest our time, money, energy, and even our thoughts. Or in we investing what we have been entrusted by God in the eternal field of hope that is the kingdom of God. Jeremiah made a courageous investment in hard times. He bought God's field. Much like the prisoner on death row in that song, he found his redemption in the dream of returning to the family farm. He found his redemption in the dream he and we find our hope, our resurrection, and ultimately our redemption in the blessed assurance that God is leading us both backward and forward to nothing less than the green, green grass of home. <laughs>